This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 589 This episode was pre-recorded. Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Let's all take our seats. It's Crisis 310. We're off to the 853rd century. This is how I got my wife to read comics. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. You can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review somewhere. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gbl.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. We are taping this in advance as we explore the history of DC's crossover events. From 1998, it's DC 1 million. In what I'm sure started as a thought experiment, the crossover attempts to explain what the DCU will look like when DC publishes issue 1 million of their oldest comic. Good luck on that with all the reboots and restarts. They did the math, and it puts them in the 853rd century. Now, DC has often traveled to the future. The Legion of Superheroes is based a thousand years from now, and various characters have met their actual or conceptual descendants. There was the future Superman of 2965, Clark Ken T5477. GL Hal Jordan was sometimes brought forward in time and given a new idea as Paul Manning in the 58th century. We eventually learn that the Barry Allen Flash's wife, Iris West Allen, is from the far future, and they end up there prior to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, that's just a few examples. But never have they gone so far forward other than going to the end of time itself. There's a four-issue miniseries along with a special and no less than 34 tie-in issues, some of which actually continue the main storyline, while others are just extrapolations of what that series character would be by then. By the 853rd century, you can purchase superpowers, and many do. The solar system has been terraformed to the point that mankind has spread to every planet. The JLA of legend is now Justice Legion Alpha, one of many legions. Justin Legion B, based on the Titans... Justice Legion L, based on the Legion of Superheroes. Justice Legion S, a set of Superboy clones. Justice Legion T, based on Young Justice. And Justice Legion Zoomorphs, based on the Legion of Super Pets. But we're really interested in the main group, composed of Superman, who is headquartered on Earth, Cal Kent, the latest in a long dynasty going back to Clark. He's got a ton of new powers since one of his ancestors married a fifth-dimensional queen. Wonder Woman, headquartered on Venus, a marble statue given life by the goddess of truth, which has two shape-changing weapons and sentient bracelets. Batman, headquarters on Pluto, now a penal colony. His prison guard grandparents got shot down in a prison break, so he vowed to control the prison and runs it himself. He also has a robot sidekick, Robin the Toy Wonder. 
Flash, his headquarters is on Mercury. John Fox, the Flash of the 27th century, does some time traveling and ends up there. Aquaman, headquartered on Neptune, can control water molecules psionically and has a more fish-like appearance. Our Man, headquartered on Saturn, an android with the memories of Our Man Rex Tyler with power over time and space given to him by a cosmic whirligog. So why do you need the other heroes? Starman, headquarters is a space station where Uranus once was. Ferris Knight, a direct descendant of Ted, monitors the artificial sun Solaris, once and future villain, now providing enough sunlight to allow use of the entire solar system. Resurrection Man, headquartered on Mars, a 90s hero with his own title, a man who cannot stay dead and who gets a new power when he does so, still alive by the 853rd century. And the Atom, headquartered on Jupiter, the sole survivor of a universe consumed by our own, has the power to split himself into multiple versions of himself all the way to atomic size where a cloud of atoms can form any substance. Mm. DC 1 million, number one of four, written by Grant Morrison, who was also writing JLA at the time. Penciled by Val Samiks, inked by Prentice Rollins, letters by Kenny Lopez, colors by Pat Karaki, separations by Digital Chameleon, associate editor Tony Bedard, editor Dan Raspler. Prologue on the third day. We begin with the Zoriel, an actual angel and JLAer of the time, and Plastic Man also in that JLA. They're racing to the monitor room after getting an alert from John Jones. Of course, Plas is quipping all the way. They see John and Blue Beetle on screen in the midst of a nuclear disaster. A bomb went off in Uruguay, killing over a million people. On the first day, the current league is having a meeting on the Watchtower discussing events in a recent JLA issue where Justice Legion A first showed up. Justice League roll call. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, John Jones, Flash Wally West, GL Kyle Rayner, The Huntress, Zoriel, Big Barda, Aquaman, Steel. Wally can vouch for John Fox. Huntress is shocked mankind survives that long. Kyle is into the whole thing. Zoriel wonders if they are actually current white Martians. Barda is worried about messing with time. And then Justice Legion Alpha comes in. After various tests, it's confirmed that they are who they say they are. John Fox provides some exposition about the far future, and One Million Hour Man explains why they are here. 15,000 years before their time, the Prime Superman, a.k.a. Clark, still alive, returned from a tour of time and space, taking up residence in his Solar Fortress of Solitude, a.k.a. the Sun. He's about to return to Earth, there's a huge celebration planned, and they want the OGs to be there. Meanwhile, Oracle, also in the JLA, is tracking an old aeroplane that went down in the Turkish airspace. Nightwing thinks Arsenal is involved, who's trying to get the Titans band back together. And meanwhile, Ted Knight is on the phone with Jay Garrick discussing the whole future situation. He's pleased that good prevails in the end. Back to the Watchtower... On the Future Party invite list, members of the Fifth Dimension, not the singers, supermen and women of various eras, justice legionnaires from their own future, and the OGs. The plan is to have them display feats of power and skill in planetary arenas. After some debate and a decision that John will stay behind to coordinate things, it's agreed to accept the invitation. 
on the second day. Huntress is arguing with Batman and not sure why she's there. His official reason is that she replaces Green Arrow in the League as the skeptic. He also tells her they can't always assume every new person is an enemy. Who is this? Certainly not Bruce. He meets up with one million bats who discuss whether he's going to the future or not. The decision is taken out of his hands as his body and essence are zapped into a tube. Steel and Diana meet up and she shows him her new invisible plane, a shape-shifting substance from a hidden race. Finally, the heroes at both eras arrive at Mount Rushmore as a press event. Why would you tell the world the JLA is leaving, even if for only a few moments relative to 1998? The Supermen get there last after stopping a prison break and providing more exposition. One Million Soups creates a hypnotizing rain to pacify the prisoners, some sort of super ESP. We cut to Mongolia, where Arsenal and Tempest watch terrorists about to complete an arms sale. Decommissioned Rocket Red war suits, all still with their nuclear capabilities. Who's behind all this? Vandal Savage. Jesse Quick and Supergirl are also there, the latter undercover. They attack, but Savage quickly shuts them down, placing them inside the war suits, turning them into living missiles. Back at Mount Rushmore, where it's explained the OGs will be gone only as long as it takes to complete their challenges. It's noted that Batman didn't make it. Guess he decided against it. Maybe they should check on him? Nah. Our man scoops up the OGs and sends them on their way. Since time is relative, John tells one million Our Man to bring them back to the same point now, but after their time there. Our Man goes haywire as a computer human virus attacks, infecting Justice Legion Alpha and John. It quickly covers the Earth, infecting every machine and being. This leaves Steel, Zoriel, Huntress, Barda, and Plastic Man as the only people uninfected as they are on the Watchtower. In the year 85,271 on Mars, Vandal Savage, an immortal still alive, enjoys a glass of wine as his plans come to fruition. He does so with his new buddy, Solaris, now fully back in the villain camp. DC One Million, number two of four, written by Grant Morrison, penciled by Val Simex, inked by Prentice Rollins, letters by Kenny Lopez, colors by Pat Carahy, separations by Heroic Age, associate editor Tony Bedard, editor Dan Raspler. We're back to the nuclear attack. Blue Beetle is searching for John through the ruins of Montevideo, only to find Justice Legion Alpha. One Million Hour Man can't access his time powers, nor can John Fox. One Million Soups has realized the attack is Solaris's doing. His powers are waning without the double sun of the future. John appears, cradling a dead body, and One Million Aquaman tells him if it's Solaris involved, his friends are already dead. Back at the Watchtower, the remaining jail layers are at each other's throats. They can't go to Earth to help, as they would be infected. So their only option, have Steel build a time machine to bring back the OGs. Meanwhile, the Ray Palmer Adam goes to meet with Oracle in order to find the cause of the infection. He gets to her via the Silver Age telephonic method where he shrinks to the size of an electrical impulse and rides a signal from one phone to another. He determines that tiny molecular machines are what's making people crazy and angry. Meanwhile, Firestorm and the Ray attack who they assume are the enemy responsible, the Justice Legion Alpha, who quickly resolve things. 
cut to Vanishing Point, the headquarters of the Linear Men, who monitor time from the end of the universe. They're losing contact with the outside world, and attempts to go back in time themselves prove disastrous. Despite that, Wave Rider orders the time controls to be set to the 20th century. Note, a traveler whispers The Kingdom, a tie-in to an upcoming miniseries and a sequel of sorts to Kingdom Come. Back to the 20th century as the U.S. military is making plans involving their ultramarine unit designed to take over if the JLA was gone. Their video call is interrupted by Vandal Savage, saying that Montevideo wasn't his choice. His plan was to attack Washington before the virus screwed up the guidance system. He says to send all heroes, current or future, and he will kill them all. He's sending three more missiles out with the Titans inside them, demanding all armed forces surrender. Arsenal, not in a missile but in Vandal's clutches, believes Garth died in the first warsuit missile. Savage throws Arsenal in the last suit and sends him toward Metropolis with the others sent off as well. Savage does a whole spell about how long this plan has taken to complete. DC 1 million number 304 by the same creative team. Now, remember the tie-in issues we mentioned earlier? Well, a lot happened in those between issues 2 and 3. The various missiles were stopped, saving the Titans. Vandal Savage also got the virus. One million Starman sold out everybody. And somehow, it was decided the only way to win was to ensure that Solaris got built in the first place. Huh? I guess the virus wants a place to call home? Anyway... Vandal Savage has declared war on all, on all nations, planning to set the Middle East oil fields ablaze. The remaining JLAers and Justice Legion Alpha are working to complete Solaris, bickering more and more as the virus takes hold. At one point, Plaz suggests they should take out Alpha before it dawns on them how a la mode they look wearing our intestines as earrings, all while holding up a huge hand that says, we're not talking about you. One Million Bats is interrogating One Million Starman, so beating him up. Adam, still inside Oracle's bloodstream, is helping combat the virus so she can concentrate. He also just cracked the virus himself. She tells Nightwing, who says it will take a while to create an antidote that doesn't involve dropping Adam into every body on Earth. Savage is driving super tanks to attack the oil fields, but John stops them. Back to One Million Bats. One Million Starman says he didn't want this life, that it was expected of him. There's a night fragment made of some form of kryptonite, which Solaris will use as a bullet when he kills Prime Superman, a.k.a. Clark, when he returns from the sun. One Million Bat gives it to One Million Starman, telling him he will use it to destroy Solaris once he's powered up. Confused yet? John and the Titans confront Savage, who escapes in an explosion. Solaris is powered up, and they hope they've done the right thing. The virus leaves all of Earth, their people and machines, as it returns to Solaris. One million Starman uses the MacGuffin to destroy Solaris and the virus, after which he kills himself. And now they all debate about how to save the OGs in the future, assuming they aren't already dead. Spoiler, they're not. But Huntress has a plan. DC 1 million number 404 by the same creative team. One million Superman is trying to punch his way into the time stream, which is aging him and screwing up time in small ways. Meanwhile, in 85,271 AD, Solaris is under attack by hundreds of Justice Legionnaires, a future, future Legion of Superheroes, and they're getting their butts kicked. 
The OG JLA, yay, including Batman, double yay, is making plans inside a bubble in Jupiter's orbit created by Diana's shape-changing stuff. Savage, still alive, hands the Night Fragment to Solaris so it can kill OG Superman. Resurrection Man is dying on Mars, for real this time, but John, now having become Mars itself, says that everything that has been planned is in place. Now, the Justice Legion Zoomorphs, Justice Legion X, and the Marvel family have all thrown in against Solaris, all apparently to distract it, while GL Kyle Rayner slips in. Wally West is trying to make super speed calculations to keep up with Solaris, but time is running out. New plan. Kyle is to turn Solaris into a supernova, then contain it with his ring. He's convinced that's impossible. Bats. Yes, you can. The ring does do whatever you think, doesn't it? Trust me, Green Lantern, and think big. Meanwhile, One Million Superman is just about dead, but manages to punch his way to the 853rd century, where the double sun recharges him. Solaris has realized that Kyle is there and what he's planning, convinced he won't do it, but then he does, somehow holding back the supernova for a time. But the night fragment is on its way. One million Superman uses Force Vision to help out GL, but has to stay there until Solaris's hydrogen is exhausted. OG Superman sees the fragment enter the sun, which is supposed to poison it and kill Prime Superman, who is the same guy in different eras. But it's all part of the plan. The kryptonite is actually the lost Green Lantern power ring. A massive green hand construct comes out of the sun and slashes Solaris once and for all. Who's wearing the ring? Prime Superman, glowing with golden light. Turns out OG Superman was destined to save his future self. OG Batman says, I'm trying hard to find free will in all of this. OG Supes decides not to meet his future self. Probably a good idea. Epilogue on the fourth day. Prime Superman and the fifth dimensional Supes took a DNA sample from Solaris, creating a silvery metallic woman, a new Lois for Clark. He also grabbed a fragment of a doomed world from the past and transformed it into a new Krypton, complete with a John Byrne version of Jor-El and Lara, where they can all live happily ever after. Back in the 20th century, the full OG League is back together celebrating their victory while seeming to forget the details. The various groups go back to their regular routine. Meanwhile, Vandal Savage, using time travel tech, has come back to an Earth that he assumes will be Superman-free, ready for him to take over. However, the tech, stolen from Kronos, sent him back to Montevideo right as the bomb fell. In the 853rd century, Mitch Shelley, the Resurrection Man, dies with a smile on his face. The End Now, in addition to all of those tie-in issues, which we'll get to in a moment, there was that special. DC 1 million, 80-page giant number one, a Phil Jimenez double-page artwork shows you all the characters involved before we get a set of short stories, each providing some background. Systems Finest by Miller, Waringo, and Case. One million soups and bats go undercover as villains Alchemo and Pico Moth to infiltrate a plan hatched by their arch foes. Turns out the whole thing was set up by Supermite and Batmite. It was also the first meeting of the One Million Systems Finest. Tales of the Legion of Executive Familiars by Schultz, Gennady, and Vines. The Legion is holding auditions, and Google, the Infinity Mouse, makes the cut. We also learn that they are called familiars and not pets, as owning animals is bad taste in the future. 
The Divided Self by Morrison and Hamner. This is the origin story of the One Million Atom. He is a scientist sent to study the oncoming universe about to destroy them. The destruction happens, though, and One Million Soups offers him Justice Legion Alpha membership. Head Games by Dixon, Johnson, and Faber, a story of the Justice Legion T based on the Titans, with a Superboy slash OMAC clone, Robin the Toy Wonder, and an energy version of Impulse. Robin is shut down, and Impulse goes inside to check things out, only to find himself trapped, so Superboy goes in to save them all. Brother I zaps Robin to get him running. Deep Cover by Edgington and Henry. One million Aquaman fights a future Black Manta, and one million Bat picks him up for a trip to prison. Days in the Lives by Abnett Lanning and Brave Fogel. Justice Legion Alpha do their daily jobs while a system-wide data flow update, essentially Twitter, provides commentary, basically a dump of exposition. And Crisis One Million by Morrison, Abel, and Royal. Owl Woman of the Super Syndicate joins the Justice Legion Alpha as they fight doppelgangers of themselves from different universes. So there were a lot of tie-in issues. Again, 34 of them. We're not going to list them here. You can check out the show notes and you can find them there. If you do want to read more about it, DC put out a trade paperback including the main miniseries and the tie-ins that actually were part of the main plot. In our next class, it's the Day of Judgment. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at SFPodNetwork. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.